$5 for a twink to make out with you. Lifestyle podcast from theballerlifestyle.com. I am once again your host, Brian Beckner. Thank you very much for joining us here for episode 92 of the show. As always, I implore you to reach out, become, get, get to know us, become friends with us, uh, reach out and give us your thoughts on anything you hear today or on any episode or anything you'd like to talk about. Uh, you can do that via email, mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com. Listen to the show. If you have thoughts on today's show, I would implore you, good or bad, they can be good, they can be bad. However you feel, reach out. Mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com. You're also welcome to leave us a voicemail, which may or may not get played on our show. The voicemail number is 949-464-TBLS. As always, I implore you to subscribe to the show it's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, it's everywhere you can find podcasts, the podcast app on your iPhone, wherever. Uh, the ball, Just search The Baller Lifestyle Podcast, subscribe, share it with your friends. And finally, Facebook.com. Go to our page, The Baller Lifestyle Podcast on Facebook and like the show there. Share our content with your friends. Let become part of the conversation. We enjoy interacting with with the fans of the show. Uh, joining me now, so it's a special show today. We will get into that momentarily. Joining me now, as always, co-host of the program, Hoboken's own, Ed Daly. Ed, how are you today, my friend? Doing well. Looking forward to this one. Special day. Yes. I had a big, I had a big, big week. I, I'm, I met a, a very famous man this week. Oh, did you? The actor who played Mayor Goldie Wilson. Wow. Fantastic. Just out of the blue? Yeah, it was at a it was it was a there was a, a screening of Back to the Future uh-huh. in oh, Manhattan wow. at Radio City. Yes. And my wife surprised me with the like just said we're meeting up and we got uh my mom to watch the kids and she's like, "All right, just meet me here." And we went out to dinner and then after she's like, "All right, we're going to this Radio City." And then there was somebody handing out things and said, "Hey, Goldie Wilson's across the street and Principal Strickland. Wow, that is amazing. Wait, Principal Strickland is also the guy from um, Top Top Gun. Gun. Wow. Now that – James Tolkien, I'll tell you what. There's a guy you could set your watch to. He looks like the same as he did in 1985. (laughs) Wait a minute. Guy's like like 80 and he looks the same. Way to bury the lead. Um, Yeah, as Ed has alluded to, today is – Future Day. If you are hashtag Team Current episode, when you listen to this show, this show drops on October 21st, 2015, which for fans of the Back to the Future movie franchise, you will know that is the day that Doc Brown and Elizabeth Shue and Marty McFly shoot forward to into the future. Um, and that that's what we're here to do. It's a special episode of the show, episode 90, 
to is the future day episode of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. We are going to be discussing Back to the Future here today, and we're not going to do that alone. As always, I'm joined by Ed Daly, but additionally, we have a special guest. Listeners of the program know who he is. You, If you're a fan of sports talk radio, this guy's a fucking icon. You know who he is. If you're a fan of those Lifetime movies that mostly like your mom or your grandma watches, he's been in a bunch of those as well. Of course, I'm talking about the great Jason Stewart, Mr. Automatic. Jason, how you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Jason. Oh, you're, now, you're fired I, I, up. A lot of energy I, today. I couldn't help but uh, hear that intro with uh, with Ed, and it, it sounds like not only did you meet the mayor, but you met the principal from Back to the Future, who also, as you just pointed out, played the hard ass in Top Gun. And yes. I'm, I was shocked, and I hadn't seen Back to the Future in a while, so I did some homework over the weekend, and I watched it, and I said, it's that guy, I mean... That guy has a broad spectrum of acting, obviously, because his character in Top Gun is nothing like his character. It's very different. Very different. It's like the opposite ends of the spectrum (laughs) in demeanor and the way he carries himself, and even the way he just kind of, you know, enunciates his his insults. He's a modern day Daniel Day Lewis. He's got fantastic range. He's all, he's almost unrecognizable from role to role. It's really disappears, it's shocking. Disappears into the role. Shocking, Principal Strickland. Uh, you know what? Oh, yes, some people. You, you've got a three point specialist. That's you have right. you have a third down running back. You have certain things that some people just do really well, and that guy axed the hell out of that hard it, ass role. It used to be that guys would play both ways. They would play offense and defense. Now you have guys that come in and rush on third down. They only play on third down and principal Strickland. What's his name, Ed? James Tolkien. James Tolkien. He is one of those guys that just comes in and he does a thing and he does it very well. Uh, okay. Just, just some, just to refresh people's memory of, First of all, I wanted to ask you guys. Do you guys re- recall where you were? Do you remember the time you saw the first Back to the Future movie? I do. I do. It was, and, you know, I was I was at a uh, movie theater in Nantucket, Massachusetts. Wow. We're on a family Falling vacation. Out. Yeah. We're on a family vacation and that movie was out and that was the biggest deal ever. It was it was a very big deal. Massive. Yeah. Cuz Family Ties was a massive show That's like right. everybody knew Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah. It's big. And Spielberg, I think, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the advertising of this movie was a lot of Spielberg talk. Like, this is Spielberg's movie. Yeah, I don't... He, he produced it, but, like, they, I don't remember hearing as much Zemeckis at that time. This was a Spielberg movie, which is, you know, still a big deal. Absolutely. I, I recall myself, I, I don't remember the buildup so much, but I do remember my grandma took me to see it. And I remember seeing like a whole bunch of people from my school that were also just also happened to be there at the showing. It was a full theater. And I realized, oh, wow, I'm, there must be more people than me interested in this movie. Um, and it was a very big deal. Jason Stewart, do you recall your the, the first time you saw Back to the Future? I was yeah. 13 and I was growing up in, in Brea, California, and I went to the Man Theater uh, over off Imperial Highway. And I just remember uh, Spielberg, what, was coming off of the second Indiana Jones? And, yeah, that's right. And, and, yep. and he, I, I remember thinking, how could he possibly create a character that is more annoying than that whore in the second Indiana Jones that became his wife. What, Kate Kate Cupshaw, I think her name is? Kate Capshaw. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the most annoying character in the history of cinema. And then 
I found out a couple hours later that Biff uh, surpassed that in, in, in Back to the Future. Well, so I was I excited about that. have to agree. Having refreshed my memory with these movies just today, um, Biff, and we'll, we'll get into this more, Thomas F. Wilson could be one of the most annoying characters to, to, uh, to appear in a trilogy of movies. Just really, really, just the way he presents his lines, the way he speaks is so grating oh. after even a short time. Uh, okay, let's refresh everyone's mem- memory. Back to the Future came out in 1985. It's an American comic science fiction film. It's directed by a big-time guy, Robert Zemeckis, um, who, who also wrote the movie along with Bob Gale. Um, it was produced by Steven Spielberg, among others. The stars, of course, Michael J. Fox, massive Canadian export, uh, massive, massive. I'm going to call him an American treasure, though. American, well, he's from, you know what? He's, he's from Alberta. He's from Canada, but uh, he, he has lived in America for many right. years, yes. decades and decades. He's a New York. He's a New Yorker. He, I, he's married I, I'm to not, an American. I'm, he probably has a green card. He probably has citizenship. He pays. He's yeah. paid a shitload of American taxes. That's for sure. Sure. He's been. He's been a an American staple since the mid '80s, early '80s. So yeah, I'm going to call him an American treasure as well. What was the uh, what was the name? What was the name of his return to TV show that that lasted about six weeks? Was this called Let's Make Fun of the Guy with Parkinson's? Yeah, I think, was that the name I think of it was that called show? the Michael J. Fox it's Show. Really- that's Why really didn't that sad. succeed? I, I, I don't know, but Spin City was a solid show. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. He's, that guy is a treasure, and it's a shame to think of all the asshats that, that still are doing fine and poor Michael J. Fox. Yeah. He, he's, he's a solid actor for sure, and at, at the time of this movie, he was a massive, massive television star starring on Family Ties. Uh, also in the film, of course, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover, and the aforementioned Thomas L.F. Wilson, who played Biff. Um, I don't need to get into, everybody knows the plot of the movie. I won't explain that to you, but I will give you some of the particulars. The movie was released on July 3rd, 1985. We all know where we were. I didn't realize it's the day before the 4th of July. Um, The movie runs 116 minutes. The budget for the first Back to the Future was not, at, at the time, not an insignificant amount. $19 million dollars. The box office gross for Back to the Future was $389.1 million. Pretty good return on investment there. It, it The movie spent 11 weeks at number one and was the highest grossing film of 1985. Well, also, I'll just, get, I'll just go through the whole, most of the trilogy here. Uh, Back to the Future 2, which we'll also be discussing today, that came out in 1989, also, the same. All, all the principals were back. Zemeckis directed. The same um, wrote. Also not, wrote it. Not all. Oh, not all. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, uh, it, it, the the it's a sequel to the movie. Most most of the main players are there. Although um, George, there's an odd George McFly. Crispin, Crispin Glover does not return, and uh, and Marty McFly's girlfriend is replaced. By, in the in the first movie, she was played by an actress called Claudia Wells. She did not return for the final two movies and was replaced by favorite of the show, someone that we all can agree we were very into at the time. Of course, I'm talking about Zoftig, Elizabeth Shue. Yes. And as we know from um, us doing the Karate Kid on this show, I, I'm a huge fan 
our friend Travis Rogers might be the biggest He's fan. He's the biggest of fan in the world. Yeah, she's got she's got kind of that perfect uh, body type of a late teen, early twenties. Absolutely, De- definitely not thin. Yeah. Just you know, a little meat on the bones. And then I, I need to know this. Did you guys do a little research here? Why did Claudia Wells not come back? Was this a a movie decision, or or did did she have? That's a, what I thought. I thought they were going for the upgrade, but apparently she had a a family illness. Her mother took ill with cancer, and she had to relinquish the role. Yeah, I I don't think she ever, as opposed to Crispin Glover, I I don't think there were like issues that she had with people and and the the studio. I think she just couldn't do the movie. Yeah, and so. And- Yes, and and Glover's thing is that he just had a massive falling out with her. I mean, I know he was crazy, but he just had a, an issue with the creators. Ed, any do you, do you have any insight there? I mean, I didn't do all all the research on on his history, but I've read interviews where, uh, on one hand, he didn't he didn't like some of the creative things. I know there were money issues. I know he eventually sued because they kind of used his likeness. That's all true. His characters. But but I you know he's he's a he's a nut job absolutely true but, yeah but rewatching the movie fantastic he's oh he's he's great in that movie he he is he just delivers an amazing performance absolutely I could could not agree more um, as to the particulars Back to the Future Part Two was released November twenty second a Thanksgiving movie nineteen eighty nine that film. So two and three were shot back to back with one budget. So the budget for this for numbers two and three was forty million dollars combined. Back to the Future Part Two made not didn't quite do the box office as the first one, but still was no slouch with three hundred and thirty-two million dollars at the box Jeez. office worldwide. Um, and then Part Three made. $244.5 million combined box office for the three movies combined for a $59 million budget and made at the box office alone nearly a billion dollars, $965.6 million in box office grosses. And that's before all the ancillary money-making activities there. So um, these guys did pretty well for themselves there. And back, we're not going to talk to the Back to the Future Part 3, but I, will, I just want to add this. Back to the Future Part 3 added uh, Mary Steenburgen as love interest to Doc Brown. And I think I speak for all men of a certain age that she is a, 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 a woman of a certain age that pretty much all of us would bang. Can I can I get an agreement from you guys I there? I mean, she, she is aging terrifically. She looks fantastic. She's, she's in her she's 60s. Getting, she's getting better with age, I think. She was a uh, recurring role on the last season of Justified. Did you guys watch that show? No, I did not. She was she was great in that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's a she's a a a GG elf. She's a great grandmother. Yeah, yeah. She's she's sixty two and she looks fantastic. As as for the how how well, let's do a quick how fucking old is this guy for fans of the show? That's something we do here. Christopher Lloyd for the first movie. He was his. He was Reverend Jim in Taxi, right? right? The the old Christopher Lloyd and the young Christopher Lloyd, or the young Doc Brown, the old and young Doc Brown. Not not a lot of difference in age there in the in the um, first movie. Not look looks wise. Um, any guesses? Does anybody want to guess how old in 1985? How old was the actor Christopher Lloyd? I will. I'll say like. Mm. We, we've we've talked about how people in the 80s didn't 
yeah. and take care of themselves. I'm going to say say at least a double nickel. 55 years old. Yeah, he yeah. I mean he looks about 71, but he couldn't possibly have been that old, right? So you're right. you're so, guessing about so 55. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go double nickel. Uh uh Jason Stewart I go into the early 60s, 61, yeah. 62. 1985, he, yeah, that, that sounds about right. He was 61, 62. Um, Christopher Lloyd was born October 22nd, the day after Future Day, by the way. Mm. Tomorrow. Christopher Lloyd was born October 22nd, 1938. He is now 76, almost 77 years old. When they shot in 1985, our man Christopher Lloyd was 47 years old. Not much <laughs> older. <laughs> Wait, so when he, he was Reverend Jim on Taxi. Yeah, he was in his 30s. He was, just, he was like early 30s. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, something in the water back then. And and Michael J. Fox, I'll just give it to you. He was he's born 1961, so he was 24 when he was playing the high school age uh, Michael J. Fox, or uh, um, Marty McFly in that movie. Uh, okay, some quick trivia. Somebody, we all know, or it's pretty well known that, that they, they originally wanted to play Marty McFly. They wanted Michael J. Fox the whole time, but he was he had a scheduling conflict conflict with family dies ties. So they originally cast Eric Stoltz. Yeah, that that just doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like obviously we, we've got hindsight on this one, but it it he's he's a good actor, but he just does not seem the right guy for that role. And he was not. He did apparently did not bring the comic sensibility that they were looking for. But another another actor and I just learned this today another actor that turned down the role of Marty McFly who could have made it him a much whinier much less sympathetic character Ralph Macchio offered the role of Marty McFly and turned it down <laughs> I think we all benefited from that would you guys agree yeah i i could see him playing Marty as just the big time victim i mean Look at how he was tormented by everyone in high school. Biff, the Biff scenes would be really sad. Also, a little odd. It would be probably a good move for him to to not um, put himself in the position to be hanging out with another old sort of office rocker type, like very, very much typecasting there. Another actor who auditioned but did not receive the role, Johnny Depp. I wonder what that wow. would have sounded like. Johnny yeah. Depp as Marty McFly. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, Doc, I, uh, I, I noticed if, uh, if we could change the coordinates to the south of France and, uh, maybe add a few, um, extra, extra, uh, scarves to, to my, my look, uh, maybe I could wrap it around my, my vest and, uh, instead of ordering a tab, uh, maybe I could order, uh, some champagne or something like that. So I can only imagine Marty McFly in that many Bracelets. Uh, okay, we also talked about. Um, oh, here's another casting decision that could have been interesting from from our Soul Man podcast. This ties in when Claudia Wells dropped out of the movie as Jennifer. Originally cast to replace her was Melora Hardin, the from the later from sure. the U.S. version of The Office. And people from this show will remember she played the sex pot daughter of Leslie Nielsen in the, in the great movie soul man. She had to replace, be replaced though, when it was discovered that she was taller than Michael J. Fox, who only goes a robust I, five feet four. I, I have to imagine that list is, uh, is going to be a tough list to, if you're a casting director, 
when you say, all right, we got to find somebody shorter yeah. than Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yes. It's tough. Difficult work. And a lot of, like, if you're, if you're the director of photography, like, you, he's got to be standing on an apple crate a lot of the time. He's got to be, like, be, for perspective. He's got to stand behind the other actor. Very, very short. Uh, okay, guys. A lot, a lot happened in these movies. A lot of things that, um, that need to be discussed. And I'll, I'll, I'm just going to throw out some questions, see what you guys think. Um, th- this, is, this is something that's gotten a lot of run over the years. In the first movie, Marty McFly, his mother, he falls out of a tree. His mother, or he gets hit by a car after his dad falls out of a tree. He, he's, his mother takes him in, and she immediately falls in love with her own son. Later in the movie, Marty McFly, as, as a ruse, suggests that he maybe try to um, be a little be a little too friendly with his mom to sort of put her off. Of course, that that backfires against him. But I need to ask you guys, is there? can you guys imagine a scenario ever where your suggestion would be like, hey, maybe I try making out with my mom on this one? Guys? <laughs> you, you have to think that there was a lot at the cutting room, on the cutting room floor because that should, that's got to be way down the list. Like, hey, George, maybe you should like, do a, a nice gesture, maybe, you know, buy her something nice, maybe. And then if like, he doesn't have the money, be like, maybe I could, you know, donate a body part like that to, to make out with your mom. That, that can't be high on the list. I mean, anything else really, Jason Stewart, what are your thoughts? I mean, think about the time, right? The night the 1950s 50s. was about as intolerant as it, as it got. Absolutely. I mean, at, on that list way ahead of making out with the, with moms. I mean, I, I think that it would have, it would have been just as easy, if not easier, to do the ruse of a homosexual man, right? I mean, yeah. if, oh. to, mm-hmm. to, to, to make the facade of being gay would be an instant turnoff given the sensibility of the time. I mean, go to downtown, uh, into the, one of the alleys, spend $5 for a twink to make out with you in front of her. And I think that that would have done the trick. But yeah, suggesting that you make a move on her and maybe... <laughs> Maybe I think he even said, and I had read this at one point. The original script said maybe I should try to finger banger, and that was Doctor Brown Whoa. was like, "No, wow. no. I, I don't. Right. It's a PG movie. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think. No. I don't know how true that is." Oh, uh, and actually, I was reading some of the trivia, and apparently, when they originally tried to sell the script to Disney. They, yeah, they turned they turned it down because they were like, "Whoa, uh, we're not we're not too cool with this mother falling in love with the with her son storyline, which does you know it's sort of works, but there are there definitely are some quirks there and some some uh, sort I of weird it, aspects." I, th- I thought it was funny when uh, Doctor Brown is that his name? Yeah, Doctor Brown. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny that when they were back at his place and he reveals to Marty after this chick shows up at the door. He reveals to Marty that she might have a thing for him, and Marty's like, "You really think so, Doc?" Yeah. Well, didn't you just last night run out of the house after she put her hand on your leg? <laughs> I mean, wasn't there continuity issues with this? Hadn't you already put two and two together, you fucking dipshit? Yeah, he w- he was not super bright, and and to that point, at one point later in the movie, and I didn't realize, like, I thought the fifties, I didn't realize, like, high school kids were getting sexual in the fifties. I thought that was pretty much taboo, unless you were like, you know, I, I think I thought you waited to graduate and then got married at nineteen because you wanted to have sex so bad. But at one point, 
Biff, he really, he basically. Well, he's rapey. Yeah, he attempts to rape the, the think, mother, I think Lorraine. That did go on. <laughs> there, yeah, that might have been more prevalent than than we know. Um, but I wonder the the guy the guy is a real fucking douche. And he really, he's really torments this George McFly. He tries to rape Lorraine. And then you get to the end of the movie and he's their fucking employee. Like they, they keep him around. Like he's, he's, hey, hey, George, you know, wash your car, put that extra coat of wax. Like, why'd they keep this guy around? Well, the thing is, you've got, there is that, that aspect of wanting to rub somebody's nose in it. Like, I remember when I first started dating my wife, I knew her ex-boyfriend was having a real hard time getting over it. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed running into him. Like, letting him know, like, yeah, I got it. I got what you want. So, I, I get that aspect, but what, he was allowed to run in their house. Yeah. He, I mean... He, he, he had the box with the, with the new book. Yes. Yes. He, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's fine if you want him to do your dirty work for you, but he was allowed to. Ju- he was allowed just carte blanche, just come in and he's opening things for them. He he he's not supposed to be going through their mail and going in their house. Yeah, stay out. I mean, on a beach in the yard. Yes, this was all based on on the uh, I guess the the premise after Michael J. Fox had gone back to the past. The premise that George got some balls and punched Biff. That's right. For trying to rape his soon to be wife, and, right? And Lorraine so that, fell in that, love with him. We are supposed to believe that that one act of punching Biff turned the guy from a what would have been in like an Uber goober afraid of his own shallow shadow to some successful looking yuppie with like a real active libido kind of creepy who's like a burgeoning author right so why not have like a man pet biff waxing your car so you're what you're saying is that it turns him into an alpha where he and (laughs) sort of along the lines of what ed said where he wants to continue like he he's so dominant now over biff that he keeps him around to like do housework wash the car it's almost as though he he lives to have biff be subservient to him i i get that but letting him in the house there's that's the big red flag <laughs> yeah i, I and because you you know people when life beats them down like if they're kind of a, a thuggish rapey guy life beating them down is not it's not going to make them less no, rapey no they're, they're, they're gonna be angrier I, and 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 biff shows as much like that's his sociopathic tendencies are still there maybe if you hadn't Held, kept him around. He wouldn't have. Uh, he wouldn't have turned out to to be the Biff he was in part two. Speak, yeah, right. Speaking of that, though, we we in originally like the McFlies, pretty big fucking losers. Like the sister, she was on Bosom Buddies. She doesn't have much going on. She's kind of no. fat. The brother, he's a real loser. He's he's you know balding, still lives at home. Not much happening there. George is just he's just a beaten down man. Like things are not happening for him at all. After Marty goes back in time and he turns the he changes the future based on the punch that we talked about earlier. Every suddenly you go you go back to you go back to the future. And there's George, and he's balling out, and he's a sci-fi author, and he's got a slick haircut, and Lorraine's looking hot, and and things, are, and and the brother Dave is off. I got to get to the office, and the the whole thing, like everything's happening for them, and yet they still live in that same house. <laughs> and maybe they're trying to make a bigger 
you know, a larger point here, saying that your 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 lot in life is predestined, and you could be cool, the cool guy at your job, or the uncool guy, but you're he got the same job. Well, no, he, yeah, but he was he wasn't. He, the, he wrote a book on the side, right? As as a published author, I can tell you, uh, <laughs> unless. Unless it's Harry Potter, you're still not right, in, right. moving out of that tax bracket. So what you're saying it was a labor of love, and that yes, and maybe maybe that is the bigger takeaway. That yeah, financial gains and financial success is great, but it's really following your passion that makes you truly fulfilled, right? Yeah, I think so. And uh, also, I liked that you know once the dad, once George, her dad, father punched Biff. Like how her life changed is she became a whore. Remember, she couldn't keep track of Craig and Greg yeah. and yeah. and yeah, she she was she couldn't keep track of all the men in her life. That and is I, yeah, I, that's I, that's you, an interesting takeaway. Yeah, you do have to give the movie this. I mean, they they de- they didn't have them uh, move into a bigger and better house, but the furniture was a little bit nicer. They were classier and, people. They were more and, confident. And they opened the shades so that there was more sun in the house. So it made for a much, much better Ruby. looking house. And but I will say this: if the if the deadbeat son that was doing fast fast food is now now has a career and he's going to the office, why the fuck is he still living at home? Agreed. Yeah, the whole the whole family still lives there, and the youngest Marty. He gets to take up the whole garage with that sick ass four by four that he has. <laughs> well, what? Let's let's go back to the older brother, though. Yeah. So, so was what was his name? Parents, Dave. Dave. So the Dave parents, McFly. So at at Enchantment Under the Sea, when they they're they're really in love by the end of the dance, yeah. And they're saying goodbye to Marty, and she says, "Such a nice name," and then. To foreshadow, and it's like, Great except point. we're gonna name we're gonna name our first son Dave, <laughs> and hopefully if we have another son, then we'll call him. Mark. That's an excellent point. That is that's a fantastic point. And yeah. I will I, I will say this about the the truck that was parked in that little garage. It was like they I, normal people just park a truck in yeah. either frontward or yes. they back it in. This had a diagonal thing that's where they a, obviously had. Move. Yeah, they had to put the garage. They had to lift the garage and put it down on top of the truck because it had that look like a truck commercial, a diagonal. So you you caught all the angles of the great looking new truck. Having having owned a couple of nineteen eighties Toyota pickups myself, those things did not have power steering. He would have had to crank that fucking wheel over. It would it would be making a loud noise, and he'd really have to feather it back and do like a hundred point turn to park it in that way. Like Marty is a real asshole parker. He took, he took up the whole garage. He he didn't even allow for like a lawnmower could fit in there. Nothing could fit in there. He took up the entire garage with his four by four. Um, we, we, well, he didn't park it. You know what? We can't, this might add to the lore of Biff being an asshole because he was the one taking care of the truck. Like Marty just learned about it. So I'm not going to blame Marty for the parking job. Oh yeah, Biff. Biff could have done it for sure. I'm I'm just shocked that a kid would be allowed to park in the garage when I when I live with my parents. I and I drove. Yeah. I was fucking on the street. Like I couldn't even get. I might drip some oil in the driveway. That's like just not even allowed. Um, we we talked about the the technology in this movie. It's a little sketchy. He's he's Doc Brown's using a DeLorean. There's it's 
somehow it's plutonium powered, which is not very safe. There's, there's a flux capacitor. The flux capacitor is really the key to time travel, but we don't get a real good sense of what it is. Can you guys, what, what is your guys' takeaway? What do you guys think? How do you, how, what is your understanding of the flux capacitor? Uh, well, I wrote that column about, about uh, last year, about what needs to happen in the next year for us to make right. future day realistic. Plutonium-powered and I, vehicles. And I received death threats because my inability to grasp how Mr. Fusion works. So I remember this. I'm sure I'm going to be wrong on this, but it looks like a glowing Y that indicates it has enough energy. Yeah. Right? I mean, yes. it doesn't. It doesn't do. I, I. It looks like it's like a gas tank for plutonium, or right. For, it's a it's a, it's a gauge of some sort. It shows you how much power you have there. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how he would harness that plutonium, but that is that car would be just a, like a radioactive. It would probably give cancer to anyone it right. got near. Back to the future four, but like Doc, why do I have three new fingers yes. this morning? I'm like Doc, you're a doc, right? How, how come I have this many balls? I thought like two was the requisite amount. I have I have seven, and a couple of them are the size of grapefruits. Help me out. <laughs> and if I had to explain what the flux, flux flux capacitor is to like a blind person that's that's listening to the movie, oh yeah, I would I would I would say it mostly compares to I don't know if you remember this. I know they had a lot of these on the East Coast. Ed, it was miniature antique like space heaters that people yes. would put into their yes. bathrooms yeah. in the winter and you and in the the actual burning wires were not yeah. only visible but transparent like yeah. you could reach in and 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 burn your fucking you hand could, you off could light I'm, a sure a lot of, I'm sure a lot of joint. toddlers did back in the day absolutely oh, that's staggering of <laughs> house fires right oh yeah those <laughs> those killed so many people because they had basically had exposed heat elements that would like catch blank people would put them next to their beds and a, a right. little bit of the sheet would fall off the bed and catch the bed on fire and kill the person in the bed and that was, you know, eight to ten inches away from Marty's head right. in the car. And those things were ten watts. Like this, this flux capacitor was like what? How many millions of watts? It was so many gigawatts. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I just don't feel like that. There, there was a safety concern, and I, I feel like OSHA would have needed to get involved at some point. Right. Um, yeah, it, they they only could have made a few missions before people would start sniffing around. I want to move on to the second Back to the Future. After all, that is when they go to. That is what when Future Day occurs. That is the right. day they go to in the second Back to the Future. Also, Back to the Future One, the original Back to the Future, is a pretty good movie. It's it's a, it's a, it holds up very well. It holds up. I've shown it to my children. It doesn't. You know, they don't get bored. They like it. It's really really a special movie and will be remembered forever. Back to the Future 2, on the other hand, is a turd. Um, what, a, a, any more thoughts on Back to the Future 1, the original, before I move on to Back to the Future 2? Jason Stewart. Oh, wow. Um, Back to the Future 1, I will say, I, though it does kind of hold up in, in conceptually and it was an original idea. Yep. And for its time, I think, was way ahead of the curve um, with uh, special effects. It's still uh, looking at the one thing that's very dated about it when I see it today is just how cheesy those special effects were. Mm. And it took so much so that it's kind of laughable. But I will give it credit for its story. It was it was completely original. And though it was so corny and the lines were ridiculous, um, I really was I really was into it 
when I saw it the other day for the first time. I don't, and I don't know how long. Uh, Ed Daly, excellent, excellent movie. Yeah, it, it really is. It is. It is a very good movie. And uh, but I will say this: in in light of the times we live in, Doc Brown like negotiating deals for plutonium with Libyan terrorists. <laughs> like not cool. Like you know, we those guys are scary, and we should not. And how'd they get into this country in the first place? Like. 1985, they didn't build that wall. I, I just, I, I was a little concerned about that. I thought, man, I will say this: yeah. those, those terrorists, that either that movie was way ahead of its time, or terrorists right now in Afghanistan have not improved their look or their vehicles. They still, yeah, they, they still, still drive the exact same yeah. thing and look the same. Vol- way. Volkswagen yeah. buses with guns mounted to them. You can set your watch to that terrorist look. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Well, they, nothing else about them has evolved in 5,000 years, so uh, that, that doesn't shock me. Uh, okay, back to the future, too. A lot of things happening, and a lot has been made um, about – and Ed, Ed wrote a fantastic column about this last year on the site, BallerLifestyle.com, um, about things that would need to happen to come true for, for, for the, um, the technology in the Back to the Future world to come true for Future Day – one thing that has sort of come true, but that everybody hates, and this is a lot of lot of things, with a lot of futuristic things, especially from the eighties. Everyone really wanted you to be talking on a video screen. Let's have, let's. I want to see the person I'm talking to. Hey, let me just pop up so I can see what they're doing in their house right now because they got a thing on the wall where I can just talk to them. At one point, George Jetson had it. Yes, George Jetson had it, and now. We all we all have that technology in our pocket. Right. No one fucking uses it. No one wants to be. Everyone, the the most you can do is send a word message. If you even call someone on the telephone, you are considered rude. Is that is that the biggest thing they got wrong? When I when I see the FaceTime request happening, I know I'm gonna, about to see somebody's kids. Of course, always it's always children. Right? I mean, yeah. like, come on. Come on, put that FaceTime app. Let, let's delete it. Nobody wants to see anybody. And nobody wants to be seen when you answer the phone. You just want to. You just want to. If you have to talk, you you don't want to be seen. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be a production. It's, it's, I guess it's for. I guess it's for. Uh, yeah, long distance relationships or kids. To- totally agree. And then at one point, Marty is the the adult Marty. Is and this movie's so convoluted, it gets confusing. But the adult. Marty, who apparently has adopted the style of wearing two neckties, which is which is supposedly going to become a thing as of yeah, today. We, we moved away from uh, yeah. nobody wears ties unless they're in court, right? Nobody, yeah, court or a funeral, nobody wears a tie anymore. He, Marty McFly was wearing two, and he was essentially FaceTiming with one of the members, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, is that the, that's one of the last people you want showing right. up in your house out of nowhere? Yeah, that guy. That guy just. Puts his cock in a sock. Yes. You don't want to be FaceTiming with that guy. He was lucky that he was dressed at all. Uh, Jason Stewart, any thoughts I, there on the on the technology in Back to the Future Part 2? I agree. I think they may have gotten this one most wrong in that they didn't understand the society was going to become much more introverted. Yes. Less, less willing to actually meet people in, in person and speak to them. And I... As you said, we all have the technology to do it today, and when it is proposed, I remember an ex-boss of mine 
mm. you know, he lived remotely, he'd be like, "Hey, let's let's Skype. I you know, you know, want to see your face and everything." I'd be like, "That's creepy. Yeah. I don't want to fucking see anybody's face." No. We wow. could talk on the phone maybe. There's but no yeah, need. They, they no. got this. We're, we we uh, the three of us are talking via Skype at this moment and I can't see but, either of your faces and I I'm, I'm just I've fine never, with that. Just good. I've yeah. never even met uh, Brian. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, good point. Yeah, it's one of those things where now that we have the ability, and I don't want to make too too broad, too um, too ethereal a point here, but now that we have the ability, now that we're all connected, all we want to do is use that technology to isolate ourselves. It's fantastic. <laughs> It's, yeah, I love it. It's really great. Uh, would you guys say that's the most unrealistic part of of Back to the Future Part Two, or what's what are some of the things that jumped out at you that are just ridiculous? If if we're going to talk about the most unrealistic part of of the first two movies, I got to go back to one. Jennifer's so Marty's kissing yeah. uh, uh, Jennifer, and uh, and the the Stave the Clock Tower lady comes up, and then Jennifer's dad picks her up. Yeah. All right, and she's at her grandmother's house that night, and she she writes quickly down. She writes down on a piece of paper, and I timed it. It took three seconds, literally three seconds. She wrote down, I love you, 555-4823. So, one, she knows her grandmother's number. (laughs) She has it committed to memory, and she was able to write, I love you, and seven digits in three seconds. That's that's, that's impressive. That's Time time travel is more realistic than that. (laughs) Who knows wow. their grandmother's number? Of all of, of all the uh, crazy things, that's it's quite an, an observation. <laughs> I, I I made it a tie because I did I as well tied in both movies. It's a tie. Um, the the fact that we would ever be led to believe that Chuck Berry would steal a guitar riff from a five foot two Canadian white guy. Great point. That's um, a fantastic point. That's a stretch. And then. <laughs> Then the fact that people are still reading newspapers in October of 2015. The USA Today. Yes. USA Today. Unless they're in a hotel. Right. That's the only time anyone's ever read USA Today is when they leave it at your your door when you're staying in a hotel. Marty, look at this newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For me, it's got to be the fashion. The, the the two neckties, the um, the the long sleeve jacket, the 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 zip yeah. your own shoes, like what the fuck every, is going every, on? Yeah, everyone looks like they're in uh, that Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation tour. Like everyone's wearing a lot of fake military garb type stuff. Uh, Griff Biff Junior. Yeah. Or yeah, Biff Jr. He, he's got some weird helmet that's like corrugated on the top. I don't know what oh, yeah. the fuck's going on there. Yeah, some of the kids were wearing colanders on their heads. Yeah, they look they look like they they could be in sprockets or some kind of <laughs> kraut rock outfit. Very very odd style of dress. I mean, and do you do you really need a, a one size fits all jacket? Why no. can't you just try on the jacket that fits you? Conquer. Why do you need to get one large one that fits to size? I do. I do think it's it's not happening, but it would be pretty sweet if you had shoes that just took care of themselves. Yeah, would that would that be the one thing that you that that Back to the Future Two presents as a, as a future regularity but, that you would choose, Ed? I mean, Mister Fusion would be cool. That's pretty although, sweet. 
like like I said, I got a death threat for getting it wrong. So I yeah. I don't know it, if it's powering your car with garbage. That's that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I'll, I mean he powers it with like a banana peel and half a Miller High Life. Oh, who in the fucking who in the McFly household? That's got to be Dave, right? That doesn't finish his beer. Of course. Yeah, Dave. Dave just feels that part, or maybe it's one of uh, uh, what's her name's three boyfriends named Craig, Greg, or. <laughs> Good point. Good point. And she. The one. Yeah, go on. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Now, I was going to say that the the invention that that I I hope will come true if it doesn't exist somewhere in this country right now is they walk into the '80s cafe and Michael Jackson is verbally telling the customers the specials and the the menu items. <laughs> I, I would just want that. Just I want the chance to to speak to Michael, the menu giver, and say, "Has he tried that Chinese dish, the cream of some young guy?" Oh, wow! Wow! Good, good one there, Jason. If we're if we're telling old Michael Jackson jokes, yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> what does Michael Jackson and Campbell's soup have in common? What's that? Both come in small cans. Mm. Wow. Yeah, just just putting it out there. That was terrible. That, that was like terrible. that was like the Max Headroom version of yes. Michael Jackson. But it also was. It seems like they hired a Michael Jackson impersonator. Like that was not. They didn't get the real Mike no, Jackson to just, do that. He was busy. There's yeah? no way he was. He was already at, at that point. Back to the Future Two, 1990. He was bonkers by then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, I mean, thr- Thriller was a long time ago by 1990. If if I think yeah, 1990 was black and white that he did with Slash, yeah. right? Is, yeah, that was uh, that was that was in his Macaulay Culkin stage. And and Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson was like to, was like a pharaoh in one <laughs> yeah, of his video- videos, right? Behold, yeah. Something that always something that a plot point that basically drives the entire movie back to the future part two it's it's how the movie starts it's how back to the future one ends and back to the future two picks up where back to the future one left off of course they had to reshoot all that because they because lizzie shoe replaced the other chick that played jennifer right but the whole issue was we got to go back to the future because we your kids you guys get married you have children and your children are dipshits why could Doc Brown not just say, hey, just letting you know, your kids are dipshits. Your son is about to go to jail because he's an idiot. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go – I'm just going to run back there real quick. You guys hang here. You guys are good. Just take her for a ride in that pickup. I'm going to head back to the future and I'm just going to like kick your kid in the shin, like trip him. Like do that thing where you kick one – you come up behind him and you – kick one foot and it and it whacks oh, yeah, into the other leg themselves. yeah and th- and then he won't have that meeting with griff and it'll all be good but instead he has to ruin the entire space time continuum by bringing people he he roofies jennifer poor jennifer and then what's he do he he lays her down in an alley oh she'll be good here let's throw <laughs> her on these boxes here uh you guys have any concerns about about that plot point there, there is a, there is a, a problem in that he, he, he puts them through a lot, and I guess he probably ruined their, their evening at the lake too. Yeah. I mean, yes. Marty was about to get some new truck sex that night, and he got nothing. Well, it's very confusing because does time because they can all, they're going to go back to before then. 
But they'll go back to before then. But if you've been through that harrowing experience, yeah, it's, it's like, true. all right, let's let's go have some carefree high school sex on my new pickup truck. It's probably not going to go that well. But, you know, I, I went back and forth on this. But if you think about it, so many people in their minds kind of know what the right thing to do. But until they see how horrible life turns out, they're not going to like alcoholics yeah. have that moment yeah. of clarity. You need to you need to have a terrible experience that you're like, all right, shit really needs to change. If he says, hey, your kids are assholes, you know, do something about it, and there could be a crime committed, and then Marty just goes back to being a shitty dad wearing two ties. Yeah. Oh, oh, couldn't he also like if he Doc Brown clearly has an agenda here. If he really didn't want to screw up the whole, you know, create another parallel universe and all that, though the whole where it gets confusing and convoluted, he could just say, Hey, on this date, listen, just you know I got a time machine here. I just fucking pulled up in it. On right. on this date right here. Don't let your kid leave the house. Yeah, you're gonna wanna you wanna have some uh, you know family game night. Yeah. The the giant contradiction is that he spends the first two movies talking about how Marty can't screw with with time yeah. and don't don't do things to alter things and 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 why why would you you know take a uh, sports almanac back with you and all this stuff? Yeah, that was fucked. Yeah. Yet he needed to show them something in the future to go back and alter it. I mean that it was that was the giant contradiction of of the second Back to the Future with this doctor. He didn't want anybody to screw with the future and the past. Yet that was the whole basis of the movie was so that fucking Michael <laughs> J. Fox would change the future. That's that's Don't exactly ask. right. That's exactly right. Also, what was the practical application for that roofie machine he had? Like he just pulls yeah. that out. He's like, "Hold on, I'm gonna just put your girlfriend to sleep real quick." Uh, yeah. Like what? What? What was he using that I mean, for on a regular day? And how come he you, was so good at it? Think about think about um, how Biff handled or Griff handled this, or no, Biff handled the sports almanac. Think about if that thing fell into the wrong hands. Like if Sebastian Janikowski got a hold of that roofing that's right. machine that's right that's that's even more dangerous than the time machine that's hey listen the sport the sports almanac just makes some assholes rich this thing it, i mean what if cosby had that thing oh, i mean he basically can I, did can i throw a little bit of rationale in that maybe he had to do it it had something to do with einstein the dog that he needed the dog to be under for periods of time I mean, oh, you could, but no. you could. Uh, Poor Ivy. Oh, uh, it took me a minute to see where Jason, Jason oh, Stewart, no. as always, going to the worst possible place. Um, I, I just lost my train of thought. I had another question for you guys. The, uh, the roofie machine. I, I don't know. I'll just move on. Um, the the whole concept of time travel is interesting to me, and a lot of people. Oh, here's my thing. Before we get to that. Marty McFly, he's finally realizes the error of his ways. He's fucked everything up with his almanac and Doc Brown is like, burn it. And he just, it, it's, it's a gusting wind. It's a blizzard. Luckily, there's a, there's a, a tin bucket there so he doesn't start some type of brush fire there in Hilldale, which is a real shithole. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> he goes, he goes, I mean, I, I feel like the place would be better if he just burned it down. He just happens to have a match there with him and lights it on the first try despite being in gale force winds. <laughs> My question to you guys is this. Yeah, it was the right thing to do. But tell me, are you guys like me? You might have just 
looked at a page and maybe memorized that Sergey Bruguera was going to win the 1996 French Open and <laughs> maybe put a bet on that or, you know, some fa- find just a couple odd things that you may- maybe didn't need the whole book, but maybe you could right. find a couple bets to set yourself up for life with. A- a- any thoughts there, Ed Daly? Oh, totally agree. That, that's, that goes back to the first movie when he only gives himself 10 minutes to save Doc. Great point. Why not give yourself a week? Be like, yeah. well, half an lay hour. A few, lay a few bets, double down. Yes. You know, all of a sudden, th- this life tra- trajectory, I don't, he doesn't turn into Biff with the mega empire, no. but in a week, you could, you could do a lot of things. You could ace a few tests. Yes. You know, th- you could just do a few things that would make it perfect. A little seed. Just money. a little taste. Yeah. A little taste. Uh, just, a, just a little. Uh, 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 Jason Stewart, your, your thoughts? That that whole scene to me was was ridiculous. Yeah, why did he need to burn it at that juncture of time in that little uh, pail? And where did he get the matches up? Yeah, that that was that was disturbing to me. And hell yes, I am sneaking a peek or tearing a couple of pages. I mean, he had no problems tearing that page with the uh, doctor's address out of the phone book. Remember that? The yeah, phone book absolutely. Restaurant. That was kind I mean, of a dick move. Yeah. And he, he didn't even hide it from the uh, the restaurant owner. Right. He's like, he just basically right. just showed it yeah. to him. What an asshole. Yes, that was right. fucked up. And he up. was trying to not even order any food. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. He just wanted yeah. a tab. Um, guys, I've, I misspoke. Sergey Bruguera actually won the 93 and 94 uh-huh. French Opens, not 1996. Also, fantastically handsome i didn't i just guy's name popped into my head and i just he's got flowing hair he looks kind of like a young yanni like yeah i'm looking him up he's he's no yvonne lendl he's he's got he's got dreaming he's good looking and despite having his success in the early 90s the guy's only 44 years old today like sergey bruguera's probably killed he kills it on spanish tinder i guarantee you Good for him. Uh, okay, guys. Um, what else? We're, we're, we're getting towards the end. Couple, couple hypotheticals here. Okay. The whole, the whole concept of time travel. Like everyone says, if I had a time machine, I'd go back in time and I'd kill Hitler. I'd fuck that Hitler guy up. Like I don't know what. A lot of people say that. What are they going to do? What you're, you had the you had the entire Axis powers trying to kill uh, Allied powers trying to kill Hitler. You think? Well, if think, you go, if you go, people people say, "Oh, I'll kill him as a baby." Well, what yeah. if you got caught? Yeah. in a German hospital yeah. for murdering a baby. Yeah. You're a fucking baby killer. Also, I, I I can't imagine turn of the century German hospitals. Yeah, what, or really all that palatable. No, and what? Yeah, what? You're gonna do the pillow over the head thing, or stab it? Like you're yeah, I mean, you're, you're not a murderer. How are, gonna, how are you gonna sleep at night? Yeah. Whether or not that turned out to be Hitler, you're still a, you're a baby, baby killer. killer. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, so if you guys, barring killing Hitler and barring going back and placing a bet on Sergey Bruguer to win the 1993 French Open, which he had to be a big underdog, that had to, that would have been a good bet. Uh, what would you guys do if you had a time machine tomorrow? You had you had the use of it for one day. Is it is it a pussy related task? Is it a historically <laughs> significant task? Jason Stewart, you kill it on Tinder. Tell us what would be your time travel goal. 
Well, the first, the short answer is the former. Uh, yeah. Pussy reweighted. Gotta agree. And I go back to, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15, freshman or sophomore in high school, and I talk to my teenage self, and I give him all of the skinny yep. on women that age and how easy it is to get in their pants yep. and to get over yourself. Just that, go back and, and go back and basically, you know, basically stop, say, stop, caring. stop worrying. Yep. Yeah. Th- yep. Say, this is what I know about women now. This is how you speak to them. This is what they want to hear. They're insecure. They're delicate. They're vulnerable. You should start getting laid right now. That's right. And so, so instead of one or two sexual, um, sexual escapades in high school, I would have had 50. That's, that's a mic drop right there. Um, Ed Daly, your thoughts. I mean, you're not going to do anything that good, but uh, just come up with something that you would do in a time machine. Well, I, I appreciate Jason's uh, answer, and it, it does make me reconsider mine, but I thought mine would have been what everybody would have chosen, and that's uh, to go back to the early 80s and crush Billy Joel's windpipe before he could sing Uptown Girl. <laughs> I mean, that was I just thought that was everybody's dream. But, you know. Uh, great, great, great point. That is actually, I nobody likes Uptown Girl, right? About a year ago, I heard from the same era Billy Joel, Uptown Girl's terrible. You know, it's written about it's Christy Brinkley. I think it's written about Elle McPherson. He was he was trading between the two of them. Shut up, Elle McPherson might be the hottest woman that's ever lived. Yeah, and he had both of them, her and oh Brinkley. Oh, God, I can't even So, yes, and, yes. No, my, and, my, my answer stays, yes. And that, there were men acting tough uh, in that video, Dancing in Unison, right? Yeah, yes. there were. Yes. Yeah, they were it supposed like, to be like, like street Bruce, toughs. It's like a Bruce Willis Seagram's commercial. <laughs> Along those lines, Uptown Girl, I got the Billy Joel, um, the, the worst Billy Joel song of all time, Tell Her About It. I got it stuck in my head like a year ago, and I seriously, I, at one point, I realized I, I think the only way I can get this song out of my brain is with a twelve gauge shotgun. It was it was like the worst four days of my I life. So I get same, it. I think it was the same era. Yeah, it was the same album. Or is that I like doo wop kind of yeah. garbage? Yeah. My mom, my mom, like when she was driving me to sporting oh, events or anything, I had to listen to that. I'm, I'm not. Was, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that I, I had the record. I own that record. Oh. But I didn't, you know, I was eight years old. I didn't know any better. Um, And and one more, let's wrap it up with this. All of the characters, everyone from all of the Back to the Future or the first two Back to the Future movies, since it is Future Day and that's what we're commemorating here. Let's not forget October 21st today, 2015 is Future Day. I need to know. And this is something we like to do on the show. All these guys, they get they get drug into Thunderdome. You got Lorraine and George. You got Dave, the brother, the sister whose name I can't remember. You got Jennifer, either actress, doesn't matter. Biff, Griff, Marty, Doc Brown. All of them get drug into a battle royale. Only one person can leave alive. Who do you have? To come out on top, Ed Daly. I'll start with you. Who do you like in a battle royale between all the characters of Back to the Future? Yeah, this this is a tough one because you could say, well, Biff is a big bully, but I mean, he got he got clowned 
by the, the the school nerd George McFly. So he's not going to last. He's he's you know glass jaw. And then I thought about Principal Strickland because that guy thrived on anger. But where I'm going, Doc Brown, the guy hung off a balcony. He took an electrical surge that would kill any man on earth. And he was on his feet and celebrating seconds later. That guy is tough as hell. Nobody's destroying that guy. Great point. He would be tough to kill. Also, he's 47 and he looks 79. Like he's been through some shit. Right. That's true. He's got he's got he's got he's got a lot of life experience to draw draw from to look that way at 47. I totally agree. The 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 floor is yours, Jason Stewart. Who do you like? So we we talked about uh at the beginning here that uh the Biff character might be the most annoying character, the anno- most annoying acted character in the history of cinema. You really want you want to kick his ass by the end of the the sequel. But Griff is like times 10. He obviously is a speed addict. Um, Big time. Yeah, he is. And he, he probably does LSD. Mm-hmm. So I, you would think that he would be that indestructible force, but he was proved wrong as he flew into the clock tower uh, glass and was arrested. Now, I the sleeper in this whole thing, and Ed kind of already took my thunder, is the hard ass from Top Gun um, and – I think that Principal Strickland. I, I think after he defeats all of his opponents in the Back to the Future uh, battle royale, he will tell his last opponent, "You'll be flying rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does just thrive on rage. Yes. So there, is, there is that aspect of it, and and don't don't forget Goldie Wilson. Mer- the guy was living in a he was living in a lily white town. Only black, black guy. guy. And he became the mayor. So he, he clearly is a, uh, a smart, clever guy strategy-wise because I don't know if there were more than one or two black people in Hill Valley besides Goldie Wilson. I know that family that Marty snuck in on that was, is, was in his old house. But you don't you didn't see black people, so uh, by, by the way, how about that stereotypical scene? Yeah. As the as the as the neighborhood goes mm-hmm. to shit. Who lives there? And it could not get any mm-hmm. worse. There has to be, of course, a black family. Great point. Because right. it has to it, nothing could be worse than that. Racism. Right. Racism. Oh one thing I will say about I mentioned at the top of the show that I met Goldie Wilson. That guy looks like he's about he looks like he's about forty five now. Forty. Black don't crack. He is. He is. He does. He looks very young. Like the God bless the, him. The image. The image for the Goldie Wilson for mayor thing, where he had the big gray afro. Like he doesn't look old like that at all. And this is thirty years later. He he he's a a good looking older man. God bless him. Um, my choice for the winner of the battle royale is um. Terry, who owns Western Auto, you'll you'll remember him because in the fifties he fixed Biff's car when it got loaded up with horse manure, and he he really ripped him off on the price. It was like three bills, which is a shitload of money for the nineteen fifties. But then he shows up again in the future, and he's trying he's like trying to get um, Marty to like sign a petition, or he's trying to give him a flyer or something. And I ch- wow. I challenge you. I don't care. Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Mike Myers. I challenge you 
to find a more disturbing looking movie character than Terry, the owner of Western Auto. And to add to add to the the fear, the scariness of this character. Oh yeah, that guy is scary. Played by Charles Fleischer. The guy who did the voice of Roger Rabbit, who is in himself one of the scariest human beings on this earth. And if you don't believe me, watch the movie (laughs) Zodiac, where he takes uh, Jake Gyllenhaal into his basement. Oh, he's so scary. Very scary. I like Terry, the owner of Western Auto, to to win the Battle Royale. He's capable of anything. He's so scary. He is. That's a dark He's got that crazy, crazy bald hair. What's going uh, on? His his hair looks like it's like it's a Lego man's hair or something. It's just very, very a lot of hairspray there. Very scary. And the whole second movie, I read a thing where the the they pioneered industrial light and magic. This was the first movie where they were able to use some sort of technology that made it seamless to have the same actor play two different characters in the same shot. And this. Overall, Back to the Future 2 is a terrible movie. Dog shit. It's really, really shitty. It's hard to follow. It's hard to understand. The performances are weird. But most of all, the makeup is weird. Everybody, like Michael J. Fox plays his whole family. He plays his daughter, which is super creepy. He he plays the older version of himself with a a lot of that like rubber cake makeup on. They all have like weird rubber masks on throughout. Like the technology was not there in terms of making – there was no Benjamin Button work style done on this movie. And it was very, very off-putting throughout to see these people in this weird makeup. Would you guys agree? Agree. This movie was was odd – from start to finish, uh, three we, we we talked about it uh, off the off the air, but three is is a, a nice enough western yeah, standalone. It's a, but it's a cute movie, standalone movie. One is excellent, but two is is an odd movie. Just a lot of weird visuals. It was it was trying to get a lot accomplished in a short. Yeah, time. a weird transition between one and three. Um, and of course, yeah. the, the reason why two is getting. Uh, is getting a lot of uh, publicity in the sports world is, and I can't believe you haven't mentioned this to now, is that what's the team that wins the World Series? And the Cubs are actually in the playoffs right now. It's crazy. So there's, there's, this whole, there's this whole thing where not only is it coming up on Future Day, but it's also they predicted the Cubs would beat quote, Miami. Right, they predicted a team in Miami. Yeah, there, was there was no, no team in Miami. There no Florida Marlins. Yeah. So, uh, but but I, I found that to be um, I, I would have I would have said that was the most unbelievable part of, of part two. If we were doing this six months ago, I would have just as a joke, you know, tried to placate our sports listeners, uh, done the old, you know, it sounded out of all the time travel and the flying cars, the Cubs winning the World Series yeah. is the most unbelievable. And I would have had a big laugh. There you go. It. But, but but who's laughing now? Huh? That's right. Jake, Ari- Jake Arrieta's laughing. That's right. There you, well, I mean, they're down 2-0. Yeah, Mets oh, okay. are laughing right yeah, now. Yeah, they're down. I mean, there's... <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Murphy's laughing. They're, they're, in a, they're in a pretty big hole, as it is right now. Uh, one more thing. I, I, I think I'd be remiss. The presence of Huey Lewis in these movies. Uh. Huey Lewis <laughs> on the soundtrack, doing cameos. 
at one point, and Ed Daly, I know you know this part, Huey Lewis is like judging a battle of the bands, or he's it's not a battle of the bands, but he's like trying to like I think that's what they call it, although yeah. it seems like it's an audition. It's like an audition to like play the dance or something. Or, yeah. yeah, and Marty's band, the Pinheads, he's Huey Lewis says, quote, You're just too darn loud for playing at the Battle of the Bands. Which was ironic at the time because he was a big rocker. He's a big rocker, but he was a pretty like safe, soft rocker in the pantheon of 1980s rockers. Is there anybody softer than Huey Lewis? Jason. I can only. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Jason Stewart, you go ahead. Well, I mean, it's kind of a tie between uh, Paul Waite, uh, uh, who's saying missing you, and Richard John, Mark. John Waite. John Waite, yeah. whatever it takes. Yeah. And. Uh, and Richard Marks was pretty – he was a vagina. But but I, I've tweeted out many times about this. Uh, there is no band that I hear now that I'm, that I'm more angry at myself for thinking that music was cool and catchy back in the day. It, it, if any music doesn't hold up from the 80s, it's Huey Lewis. That sports album is filled with campy, shitty-ass songs. Agreed. And each of them have an, an sax solo, which a is A lot of sax awful. and harmonica. Well, that was the thing. The 80s had a ton of sax in, yeah. in just in every band and in, in movies. So I remember Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead at the end of the movie, John Cusack just whips out a sax to play to his girl. Like sax. Now, saxophone is only for homeless men. That's true. That's a great point. That's the, only, the only person that plays a saxophone now is a homeless man. Uh, Rob Lowe in St. Elmo's Fire, yeah. that stupid fucking sax with the blazer with the sleeves yeah. pulled up. More sax. Sa- Saxiest man alive, that guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy is handsome. I would, I would argue that Christopher Cross was a bigger pussy than Huey Lewis in the 1980s. <laughs> I, I was going to go with uh, Peter Cetera. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he you was know, karate, re- yeah. karate Kid 2 when he's, uh, I'm, I'm a man who will fight for your honor. That, that's the, that's the, the douche chill moment <laughs> of the 80s, oh, right? Although I, I bet there is a wing of the Cetera mansion that was built by that song because it was, <laughs> yeah. it was unavoidable for a long time. Did I ever tell you that I, did I tell you guys I ran in or I actually uh, flew on a plane with Christopher Cross and I didn't notice until we were uh, caught between the moon and New York city. Oh my, God. <laughs> oh my God. All right. That'll do it. Great job, Jason. Yeah. Game set, man. <laughs> okay, guys. Excellent job. I really appreciate you guys joining us. Jason Stewart. You making some time. You're you're an icon. You're a well-known guy. You're in demand. A lot of shows trying to get oh, you I, on. I saw the residual checks pouring in, uh, yeah. according to Jim appearance recently. According to Jim. It's it's a gift that keeps on giving. I yeah, mean, you, you, are, herpes. you are rolling in the dough. Buddy. Ed, Ed you, you worked on, on, on Wall Street, and I know one of your life mottos is you can't go broke on small profits. So I'll keep cashing right. those checks and – Thanks for having me on, guys. Next, uh, next mid '80s uh, movie juggernaut you want to break down? Just let me know. Well, I, I also I believe we have a, one of the Bachelor franchises is starting up here. Maybe, oh yeah, I, maybe I don't, might. Do we have to wait till January? I'm not sure, but there is there's a, a new Bachelor coming on. We'll have you on before it. if it doesn't start till January. We'll find a reason to have you on uh, before the end of the year, Jason. We we always love it when you join the show. You bring a lot to the table. Um, Absolutely. Ed Daly, this 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 show was your baby. You killed it. Um, really, really appreciate all the work you've done there. Um, new listeners, people that joined us just because of the Future Day episode. We do a lot of different movie stuff. We talk sports. We do a, a, a 
We do a different kind of show here. And I would implore you to subscribe, to join the program, to, to join the discussion. And I know last time Ed wrote a column about Back to the Future. There, there's a column on the website now for you future heads to check out and, and give us your thoughts. Um, and so send us a comment. Drop us a line. Mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com. If you're irate, if Ed Daly calls it Miller Genuine Draft instead of Miller High Life again, like he did last time. <laughs> you want to you, yeah. you want to leave me a Pen- penalty by death. Yeah, you want to leave me a voicemail about it threatening Ed Daly's life. Please do that. I would like to play that on my show. 949-464-TBLS. Uh, I really really appreciate it. Thank you guys. That'll do it. And if you want to reach out to anybody from the show directly, find these guys on Twitter. Uh, everyone knows Ed Daly is at EZ Ed Daly. Um, you can find me at Brian Beckner. There's only one way to spell Brian. I'm not going to tell you. You should know. And of course, special guest, Jason Stewart, at Jason Stewart on Twitter. Reach out to us directly. Complain, rejoice, do whatever it takes. But uh, there, there, you can always find a way to find us Uh, Okay, that'll do it for Jason Stewart, for Ed Daly. I'm Brian Beckner. This has been the Baller Lifestyle Podcast from theballerlifestyle.com. We will see you next week.